Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources to remind you, you don't mom alone. You're listening to our third week of the Summer of Mentorship series. Today's mentor is Kim Fredrickson, and this episode originally aired in January of 2018. It was titled Quieting Your Inner Critic and Practicing Self-Compassion. I would like to dedicate this episode to Kim's grandchildren, the ones who motivated her to write her book and spread this message. On June 3rd, 2019, Kim met her savior face-to-face after a long battle with pulmonary fibrosis. And I'm grateful that we have her words recorded here to share with you today. When people feel ashamed, they blame other people because they feel like if I really look at my shame, then I'm going to collapse inside. Like I can't survive it. And so I have to say it with somebody else. And so that's why self-compassion honestly is desperately important because kids feel shame a lot and not because we've shamed them, just they fail at everything. Kim was a licensed marriage and family therapist and a life coach. She's counseled and taught others for years about self-compassion. Today, she came on the show to talk to us about her book, Give Your Kids a Break, Parenting with Compassion. She talks through how to develop a compassionate inner voice, applying grace and truth to every situation, the variety of temperaments and some that are harder on themselves, the difference between self-compassion and self-pity. There are so many great things in this conversation. And I'll tell you that after we recorded it, Kim followed up with me and was such an encourager to me after a hard season. One area of motherhood that we can be pretty self-critical of is the development of faith in our kids. And the truth of the matter is God's the one who moves hearts. But sometimes we're just looking for resources to plant seeds of faith in our kids. And I'm thrilled to share with you this year's Summer of Mentorship sponsor, Cultivate What Matters, and their tool, Write the Word Journal for Kids. It's fantastic. And they have a new version that's focused on the fruit of the spirit with cute fruit of the spirit stickers. In these journals, your kids will find pages to draw, but also to write out God's word. And it's a great companion to the Write the Word journals for us mamas. If you want to check it out, go to cultivatewhatmatters.com. And as a Don't Mom Alone listener, you get an exclusive discount of 10% off if you use the code Don't Mom Alone. Go check it out. They're so pretty. I'm telling y'all, so well made. Go to cultivatewhatmatters.com and use that code Don't Mom Alone to get 10% off. All right, let's get to my chat with Kim. Here we go. Hey, Kim, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Well, thank you. It is just delightful to be here with you and all your listeners. I'm thrilled that Christy Clover connected us. Me too. Uh, you are the perfect match for this group of oh, gals. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I'm just happy to be here. Y'all just hang on because you're going to be blown away and so encouraged by Kim. Uh, so, Kim, there's a lot to your story. I want to get right to it. But would you introduce everyone to your family real quick? Oh, of course. Yeah. So I um, have been married for 39 years to my husband, Dave, who uh, is actually retired now, but he was a, a pastor for many, many years and also a full-time seminary professor. So um, we have been married a long time and I have two adult children. Um, our daughter's 28 and our son is 30 and he just recently got married a few months ago. And so we have a new daughter-in-law as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. So I connected with you because Christy told me about your new book. 
uh, for parents. But I want to know a little bit, and I want the gals listening to know a little bit about the story behind the book, why you decided to write it, and what you used to do professionally and all of that. Okay, I would be happy to. So um, I'll start with the professional because it kind of fits in. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I um, I was a marriage and family therapist for over 30 years. And I also was a seminary professor teaching master's level students um, how to become counselors. And I did lots and lots of speaking um, about parenting and about marriage for all those years and also um, have published two books. So that's my background. But um, all of that got interrupted. All of that, but the writing actually got interrupted uh, four and a half years ago when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And mm. it it was something, a lump that I found myself on an exam went right in and it was an aggressive form. So I had to have um, a lumpectomy and then chemo and radiation. And it was a, a nine or 10 month process. It was really hard. It was harder than I thought, honestly. But I was very hopeful because I thought, well, you know, they caught it pretty early and I'm just going to do everything I can. And then when I'm done, I'll get back to my life. And I still worked part-time part through parts of that, but uh, wanted to get back to my practice full-time and all of that. But about four days after I was done with radiation, which for me was the last step, I noticed I couldn't take a deep breath. And so I went right into the doctor and, you know, they did a whole bunch of tests. And after two months, they diagnosed me with pulmonary fibrosis, which is a terminal lung disease. So Mm -hmm. super hard to, you know, have gone through all this treatment to have, you know, hopefully have the breast cancer not take my life. And then turned out the thing that caused the pulmonary fibrosis was the treatment itself. So the Mm -hmm. chemo and the radiation is what gave me this disease. So that Mm -hmm. was three and a half years ago. And as you can imagine, it's turned my world upside down. And they they gave you a timeline. They gave me three to five years to live. Mm-hmm. So I'm at three and a half right now. Praise God. And when you, you get that number, <laughs> yes, yeah. thank you, Jesus. You get that number and you start, I'm sure, evaluating every yes. way you spend every minute. Yes, exactly. We all have an end point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when someone gives you yes. that line, it puts a value on every minute. So what did it motivate you to do? Yeah. So, you know, I, I've done taking care of lots of business, honestly, just in making sure I don't leave my husband a mess and just all of That's very nice of you. <laughs> well, I wish my dad had done that a I little know, bit better. His father it takes a long a time. And so I'm oh, very man. familiar with what the mess looks uh, like if you don't take care of business. So I'm not. Even if everything's taken care mm-hmm. of, they make it very difficult. This is yes. not an easy thing. So it's that's very kind hard. of you. Yeah. So that's super important to me. So I'm doing all of those things. But about a year ago, you know, I was aware of it, but I was reflecting that I knew that I wouldn't be here to help my children when they had children of their own, that I wouldn't be able to be a grandmother, which is just really probably the hardest thing for me, actually. And Mm. because I would have just loved to have been a grandmother. And so it just kind of hit me that, like, what could I do to help them? Like, I won't be here. I mean, barring a miracle, I won't be here. So what could I do from afar? And so, you know, part of my, all of my work had been teaching parenting classes for probably 20 years. And seriously, I had 
thousands of people come to these things. Like they were very popular and cause I'm very practical and helpful and all those things, you know, That's awesome. and I thought, Oh, I know what, I'll just take all these files off my computer and turn them into a book for them. And I, it, it took a lot of work because they're just handouts, you know? So, I mean, it was, it wasn't just slapping together. And so I was working on it and I was going to surprise them. And, um, honestly, Heather, as I was working on it, I thought, this is really good. I mean, if I could say myself, I thought, <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I really like this book. Like, this is really good. So I actually told them um, a while ago about the surprise I was going to do for them. And of course, they were so touched and teary and just, you know, it was hard but tender. But then I said, I'd really like to self-publish it um, so that other people could benefit too. And would that be okay? And they said, yes, it would be fine. And, um, my publisher was actually interested, but it takes 18 months to two years to have a book published it once you have a contract. And I knew I probably didn't have that long. And so I just thought, no, I, I can't, I have to just publish it myself. So I, I did, um, about a little over a month ago, I published, um, give your kids a break parenting with compassion for you and your children. And so it was really important to me because my prior book is Give Yourself a Break, Turning Your Inner Critic into a Compassionate Friend. And I decided that in all the parenting advice I was giving, you know, about boundaries and listing, getting your kids to cooperate, just, I mean, like a ton of things that I wanted to interweave moms and dads to be compassionate with themselves as they parent, and then in turn, how to teach your children how to be compassionate with themselves because life is so hard and we go through so much that it's super important to be compassionate with ourselves as we live our lives. So that's the backstory. It's so good. And y'all, I mean, I think I read like a page and I was <laughs> wanting to underline every sentence because I've already told Kim uh, and maybe you listening can identify with this, that I am so hard on myself. I vividly remember we had little kids and it was the end of the day and I was doing the whole rundown of all the ways I'd messed up. And my husband's advice was, can't you just lighten up a little bit on yourself? Like, and I thought, oh, that sounds yeah, nice. Yeah. Like, How sure. do I do that? I'll just, I'll just lighten up. <laughs> I can't. I can't just lighten up and make it all go away. These voices in my head that are telling me what I should do. And I didn't even have Instagram then. I would be a whole wreck of a person <laughs> with little kids and Instagram. I mean, oh telling God. me, oh, my advent calendar should look like this. And my, my I mean, you, mean you have an advent calendar? <laughs> oh, man, I have one my sister gave me that's like, you know, Velcro hot glued on a felt Christmas tree, but it's not Pinterest perfect or anything cute. So, oh. but I think exactly that to say, but you have mm -hmm. one and you're doing something. I, I could not focus on what went well. Yeah. And I just love this concept of giving yourself compassion like you would to a friend. Mm -hmm. Like if my friend said all those things to me, what would I say to her? Exactly. You know? So how do we do this? <laughs> Help me, Kim. Totally, fix totally. me and then fix everybody else while they're listening. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. <laughs> well, I think, oh, there's a lot of parts to it. But the first thing is being kind. Okay, so I'm going to say something and I'm going to demonstrate how I would talk to myself. Okay, okay? perfect. Um, the first thing is to be compassionate with yourself that you're not. Mm. Like, in other words, 
There are reasons why you and other everyone listening have trouble being kind to themselves. There's really good reasons. So a lot of them can be um, your background growing up. You know, I mean, we kind of learn how to treat ourselves based on not just parents or grandparents. It could be uh, teachers in school or coaches or, you know, there, there's just your family background um, that teaches you how to respond to yourself when you mess up. Well, if you've had that message, we're talking I was going to say thousands, maybe millions of times. Right. Of course, right. that's going to be your first response. So like something I might say to myself about that is, you know, it's really hard to not have a compassionate voice inside. It's hard to instead have a critical voice that's beating me up. And I don't want to have that voice. At the same time, why on earth do I think I would know how to do that if I've never been taught? Like that's nothing I've ever learned how to do. And the good news is I can, I can learn. So that's the first thing is just your family background. Second is, oh my Lord, especially as mothers these days, um, social media and the internet, it's a, a blessing and a huge curse because, you know, as you know, I'm sure everybody knows you, you see everyone's best moments, right? And so mm-hmm. Nobody puts up the advent calendar that looks horrible, right? I mean, <laughs> nobody says, I, I fed my kids fast food every night this week because I, I don't have time to cook or because mm-hmm. I'm crying in my room because I, I can't do anything because I'm overwhelmed. I mean, nobody puts those things up, right? And so we're always right in front of us being compared to everyone's best moments. And everyone, including myself, comes up short on that one. So we have all of this input you know, not just social media, but, you know, just TV and movies. And I mean, you name it, every place. Like when I was a mom, the internet came, you know, somewhere along when they were little, but it wasn't really active like now. And so, you know, I would compare myself to my friends, but I mean, I only Mm -hmm. had, you know, five or six close friends, but now we're comparing yourself to millions of people, right? Oh, and, and with so, your friends, you've seen their lowlights too. Exactly. You, you know where you're a little better than them exactly. in the other areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very, mm-hmm. very hard. Um, so even that I would say, well, gosh, no wonder, no wonder I compare myself. No wonder I see my advent calendar and think, oh my gosh, this thing is just, it's embarrassing because mm-hmm everybody else that shows their advent calendar, you know, it looks fantastic. And most people don't even have one. Most people aren't even thinking about advent. They're not thinking about how to honor Christ in the season. And I am. And so even though I have kind of a lame advent calendar, good for me, good for me that I have one and that it's in my heart to teach my children about Jesus during this time. And I'm going to have an imperfect calendar and it's going to be okay. Yeah. So it's, it's really taking the way I think of it as Heather is it's taking grace and truth and applying it to every situation. So by that, I mean like the truth part is, you know, I have this imperfect calendar or I yelled at my kids or, you know, I had to pull clothes out of the laundry and shake them out because I didn't get to laundry. Like there's truth to that. Okay. And then there's the grace part is, but there's a reason. And even though I'm struggling, even though I wish I could take that moment back, I'm still a valuable person of great worth and value. My action here, this mistake I made, doesn't affect who I am as a person. 
Well, talking of who you are as a person, do you think, too, there's certain personalities or wiring that are more prone towards a critical eye or judgment or holding a higher standard for themselves? Oh, absolutely. I do think that. Yeah. So if it's hardwired, does it, it kind of feels like, well, then I'm, I'm stuck. I'm always like this. Never going to change. Like, or some people I know are just born positive people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. People have different temperaments coming out of the womb. That is true. So to that, I would say, you know what? It's really hard to have been born with a temperament that's pretty harsh on myself, you know, that mm. has super high standards. Like it, I, I came out that way and then that got reinforced through various means. It's hard to not have that half full temperament. And that makes things harder for me. And, and that's really difficult. Like, gosh, I'm dealing with a lot more than most people. I have to fight a battle that other people don't have to fight. And that's really difficult. I feel bad for myself. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. And it's not self-pity. You were talking no. about the difference. Uh-huh. So to, to tell uh, the listener the difference between self-compassion and self-pity. Yeah. So self-pity just says, I'm kind of a horrible, awful person. And, you know, that's it. Right. (laughs) You know, case closed. But it's very, it's actually self-focused. Self-pity is. And, you know, people do it not meaning to. It's not intentional. But it's very self-focused. Whereas self-compassion says that I matter and so do other people. Like I can have other people's viewpoint in my sights. I can care about them, but I can also care about myself. And again, I, I make mistakes, but I'm also a valuable person. So self-pity actually usually leaves people completely stuck. Mm. And until we figure this out for ourselves or start practicing mm-hmm. it, it's hard to dictate to our children that they need to be more self-compassionate. Right, right. And I mean, I think it's super good, you know, and I spend time in the book talk, talking about that very thing, but you know, I have a chapter to parents about becoming compassionate with yourselves. And then I have one about how to teach your children how to be compassionate. And then I kind of interweave it through the whole book. But the the fact is, though, you know, like, let's say your child comes home, they have a really bad grade and or, or they, yeah, I'll just use that one. They had a bad grade. You know, they actually studied, you know, that they did, but it's just kind of blanked, you know, when the test came and like things happen like that. And they come home, you're saying, I'm so stupid. And every, all the other kids are smart and I'm just stupid. And, you know, and let's say you say to them, you know what, honey, I'm so sorry that that happened. And you have to feel so terrible because you did study. I saw you study and you and I, you know, did flashcards and like you worked hard. Um, and it's so hard that you didn't do well on the test, but honey, you're not, you're stupid at all. You had a bad day. I mean, everybody has days where they blank out or they can't remember, you know, maybe you could talk to yourself and tell yourself, I'm a very good kid that studied hard, but I, I had a bad test. Like, so let's say you say that to them and that's good to say, mm-hmm. that's good. I, I would say something like that, but then an hour later you're cooking dinner and you spill spaghetti on the floor or whatever it is you do. Right. And you say to yourself, I am so stupid. Other mm-hmm. moms don't do this. And gosh, what is wrong with me? And your child's over there. Like, what are they going to believe? Right. right. The nice little thing you told them that was true. Um, or are they going to believe how you treat yourself? Right. So good. And I do know, like you'd said before about temperament, certain kids are just born yes, with a, a bent one way or another. And 
they go to like the depths of despair in a second mm-hmm. and the other one's uh-huh. like not even actually owning up to the tiniest thing they did wrong. They're mm-hmm, like, no, mm-hmm. it's fine. And they're making excuses for. So how do you deal with like a child who maybe is overly <laughs> compassionate with themselves? <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. Because see, it's so amazing because we can take something good and mess it up. Either right, way, right. right. We yeah, can I mean, take anything and nature. swing it right off the balance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just human nature. Mm-hmm. But see, even that is like, well, that's human nature. Like it's not, it doesn't make us bad. It makes us human, mm-hmm, right? Like we're, mm-hmm. we're not, you know, we're great and we have great potential and we have great worth, but we have a lot of things that we're dealing with that are hard. Yeah. And so we get off course. Um, so I would say, actually, I'm going to give you a story of uh, when, when we were, kids were little and we had this neighbor that used to visit and he, they had like eight kids. And so every morning his parents would just like send the children out to play. <laughs> Smart. And so of course they ended up at our house and we had to put a sign up that said, yes, you can knock. No, you can't knock because they were always come, trying to come over. That's so funny. But anyway, so this one little boy, I'm sorry that I can't remember his name because there was eight of them. Um, he came over and our kids were taking um, karate. They were I don't know, you know, six and seven or something. And one of them had their, still had their little outfit on. And he came over and he said, I'm a black belt. And, you know, he's like probably seven or eight, you know. I said, you are, really? And he said, yes, I'm a black belt. I can do all kinds of things. And I said, really? I said, well, you know what? Here's the thing. I think maybe you wish you were a black belt. Because mm. I, I don't think you could be a black belt. It takes a lot of years to be a black belt. You think it's more like you just wish you were a black belt? And he said, yeah. He hung his head. (laughs) And he said, yeah. You know, and I mean, you could say he was lying. But, you know, at that age, like, I think he was probably like seven or something. You know, it's like he sort of was, but he just kind of wished it was that way. So even kids, like, let's say, I know that's not exactly your question. No, no, no. But where there's like an overconfidence for. Right. Yeah. Just to be able to say. You know what, honey, I, I know that you want to believe that you weren't part of that fight happening, but I was there and, and I saw you do some really good things, but I also saw you do some things that that contributed to that fight. And so it's okay. You know, we all do things wrong, um, but it's important to try to learn from them. So, you know, what do you, what do you feel like? What's one thing that you think that you did to contribute to that fight? And like, I would just kind of prompt them along because for them, they're feeling, honestly, I know it sounds like they're all snooty, but they're probably feeling ashamed. Mm, and so and it's like their people, compensation. for Yeah. Okay. When people feel ashamed, they blame other people because they feel like if I really look at my shame, then I'm going to collapse inside. Like I can't survive it. And so I have to say it was somebody else. And so that's why self-compassion honestly is desperately important because kids feel shame a lot and not because we've shamed them just they fail at everything well they're (laughs) trying to figure out who they are right so they're they're putting that label on themselves so maybe i am bad maybe i Uh am wrong because i did wrong exactly i did wrong so i am wrong and it's more like no actually you're a good kid and you did do something wrong Mm -hmm. like it's both and so we we tend to swing one side or the other i'm all good or i'm all bad it's like oh no I mean, God is all good, but he's the only one. And so, (laughs) and so it's like, you know, we're all a big mix. And so it's important to be able to become, become comfortable with, yeah, I make lots of mistakes. I'm really sorry that I hurt you. I mean, I really, truly am. I'm going to learn from it. And I'm still a good person. I'm still valuable. 
I think it's really great what you're saying, because I think in my mind, when one of my boys would act that way, not owning it, I would take it as a character flaw that they can't own their mistakes. But in truth, I need to give them the language of self-compassion. Yeah, because they just don't I'm, know it. I'm assuming mm-hmm. they, okay. Yeah, they just, don't, they just don't That's know it. Good. And they're just kind of trying to survive the whole thing, whatever it was, right? <laughs> you know, let's see, I'm going to pretend <laughs> yeah. it didn't happen. Yes. I'm going to blame somebody yeah. else. It's not that big a not deal. Not that big a yeah. deal. Yeah. Where the reality is, you know, it, it was a deal. Maybe it wasn't a big deal, but it needs to be addressed. And, and I love you and you're okay. Yeah, you made a mistake. It's acknowledging it. It's acknowledging it, putting words to it and putting grace on top of it versus ignoring it and just saying everything's fine, which is not really. See, there's no hope of learning or growing if you don't acknowledge. Literally no hope. Mm. And so that's why it's so important to acknowledge. Wow. So good. Okay. So I know, yeah, the whole book has tons of nuggets in it. Like it's not just about self-compassion. There's all this parenting advice. Um, What section is your favorite? Like if you could get a mom and hang out with her and give her like the best advice beyond self-compassion, but something that you find moms struggle with. I think it's, um, I mean, it is self-compassion, but maybe it's more specific would be for moms to be compassionate with themselves because moms buy parenting books because they want to be better moms and they want to help their children. Right. And that's good. Right. I, I had. I that's why they're listening today. Books. That's why they're right. listening today. <laughs> However, yeah. usually parenting books aren't for the moms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they're for how mm-hmm. you should be a better mom, you know. Mm-hmm. But this, you know, my big thrust and certainly I, I believe that handing that down to your children is will change their lives forever and, and their children's children. It's humongous. But I have such a heart for moms who are so hard on themselves. It's like, what, we don't expect to have a learning curve? You don't expect to mess up? Like, why are we supposed to know everything about everything? I mean, things that we have no business knowing about. You know, like, another, we don't have any experience. And so I feel like, I guess I want to say to moms is that you have an impossible job. And I don't mean that in a discouraging way. I mean that in a validating way. Our job is really hard. And, and the thing that I noticed was, and I'm sure all of you listening notice, is that just when you feel like you have it down, right? So, okay, now I know how, I know what to do with my three-year-old. You know, they turn four, right? And then you have a seven-year-old and you're like, okay, they seem to be, I'm getting better with helping them figure out school. And then they, you know, they go into fourth grade and it changes radically or, you know, just pick your ages, right? And so, it's an impossible job in the sense of it's never done. And every situation is a learning curve, mm-hmm. because not just for children, because for sure that everything they're doing is they're learning and they're failing and they're learning and they're failing. I mean, everything is trial and error, but it is moms too. See? And so let's say you raised your first child a certain way and then this all worked for them, but boy, oh boy, it didn't work for the second one or the <laughs> yeah. third one. Even if they're the same gender. Oh, Oh. yeah. It doesn't make any difference because they have a different temperament, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I would just say the part that's really good is that you want to be the best mom you can. You want to really make a forever difference in your child's life. You want to raise a good person, uh, a kind, you know, person who can succeed and live life and all good, all good. Okay. But too much pressure on yourself. And so I would just say, be kind to yourself about all the pressure that you're under from yourself, 
from people around you, from media, and realize that the fact that you feel discouraged at times and you're exhausted um, and all of those things is just normal. It's normal. And trying to take care of yourself is important. Like, I'll give you an example. When my kids were little, before they were even in preschool, I would get a babysitter two mornings a week. And one morning I would work. I, I had a little office and I still worked a little bit when they were in school, um, when they were little. And the other three-hour break, I went, I'm not kidding you, I went and sat at McDonald's with a Diet Coke and a magazine. And I couldn't even read like an actual book. No. Like it had to just be magazines. <laughs> and sometimes I wouldn't read at all. I would just stare into space and I would relish the fact that no one was asking me to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I could just sit there by myself and have some quiet time. And yeah. so for me, that was like, and like, I have to tell you, when summer came and it was vacation Bible school, and by the way, my husband was a pastor, so a little <laughs> bit of pastor wife stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, and people would always ask me, would I teach vacation Bible school? I'm like, heck no. That's mom. That's mommy's vacation. Like I, I'm not in the teaching. midst of the summer. I need that. Yeah. That's yes, right. For I'm sure. living for that week. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And so, you know, I would get together with friends or I would do nothing. I would just sit in my house. I mean, mm. sometimes I would catch up on things, but I just made sure that I had time for myself, even if it was a little bit, you know, and so just taking care of yourself, realizing that the more that you care for yourself, the more you actually give to give to your family. And then just try to be kind, learn these things to be kind to yourself when you mess up because you will till the end of time. So if we aren't practiced in being kind to ourselves, like we mm-hmm. literally, the voice immediately pops in our head with the negative. Yeah. Do we, we say the thing you said earlier where it's, you know, this is hard for me mm-hmm. after the voice pops up. Oh, there it is. Like just acknowledging that yeah, voice. Well, is that I, a start? I would put a step right before that one. So yes, okay. I would I would do exactly what I said before. But what I would do, and I seriously do this even now, and like my husband laughs at me, but I say things out loud. And so I will actually so I what I do is I hear a negative voice and I say to my and it and it isn't that I'm it isn't like, oh, you need to pay attention to that. It's like, you're bad, you know, that kind of voice, yeah. right? And so I put my hand up like a stop sign, like physically. I'll put my hand up <laughs> to good. myself. And I say, stop. I'm not going to treat myself that way. I'm not going to get down on myself for something that was a normal mistake. And then I would probably go into the compassionate words. But I have you have to stop, at least for me, I have to stop Like, you know, like with your kids, you would go, no, stop it right now, you know, but not in a harsh way, just more of a like, no, I'm not doing that to myself anymore. And even if you say to yourself, I don't know what to say instead, (laughs) but what I do know is I'm not going to beat myself up. That's huge right there. That step is huge. Yeah. And then is it outside of the time of mistakes that you come up with some phrases that you could say? Yeah. So sometimes you can't in the moment. Sometimes it's just too hard. So what are some of those good phrases? You've said so many already, but I think just saying them again and just to get in our head yeah. on repeat. Sometimes I ask myself questions. And actually, to be honest, the first book um, probably has a lot, even a lot more of that. I mean, the first book, the whole thing is about, you know, turning your inner critic into a compassionate friend. And then the second has a lot of that and is specifically applied to parenting. But in the first one, I know, I remember I have a whole bunch of questions to ask myself, like things like, I kind of challenge myself. So I'll say, okay, do I really think that I'm going to go through the day without making a mistake? 
You know, do I honestly believe that I will not hurt the people that I love? You know, do I believe that I'm actually not human? You know, I'll, I'll ask myself questions and then I'll even say things like, even though this is really hard, there's a lot I can learn from it. And there's a lot I can teach my children. Like I remember one time where I was really hard on myself and said it out loud, you know, and the kids are kind of cringing along with me, listening to my voice. And it took me several hours, but later I came back and I, I just said, you know, do you remember what I said to myself when I forgot to get your su- school supplies? Cause my kids needed them. I didn't get them and it was due the next day, you know, and they told me, so like they did their part and, um, they said, yeah, you, you said you were stupid and a bad mom. And I said, I know. I said, how did you, so this is important too. How did you feel when I said that? And listen to this. This just shows you what happens inside of children. Um, They said, we felt bad. And one of them said, I felt like maybe I shouldn't have asked you to go get my school supplies. So in other words, they're blaming themselves for something that like they're taking ownership. Yeah. Zero responsibility. And I was so Mm -hmm. glad I asked because then I could correct it. And I said, oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, I am so sorry. And then I just, you know, I said, gosh, you guys did the great job. You told me what to get. I wrote it down. Like you did everything just right. And I just forgot. And I, and, and then I said, I feel bad that I treated myself that way. Like I just forgot. It's okay to forget. And I said, I'm just sorry that you felt bad too about what I said. And let's go get them now. Or I don't know what I did, but you know, we rectified it, but like they felt bad hearing me be mean to myself and then they took it on. So, well, and I think they work hard to prevent those kind of outbursts uh-huh. from happening again. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, they correct each other. Oh, they do. Yeah. Yes. Or they correct each other so that the one sibling that's more difficult doesn't do the mm-hmm. thing that makes mom. Right. Do the freak out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm speaking from personal no, experience at all. I have no idea. A friend that, right? did that. Yeah. That was a friend. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, my kids do it perfect. <laughs> But, but see, the thing is, though, is, and I think I said, too, I used that as an opportunity to say, what do you guys say to yourself when you mess up? So, I mean, it was really, mm-hmm. it was kind of a nice way to, well, I say, you know, and they talked about it. And you know what? And I sometimes I say, well, what is it? What do you think the truth is? Do you think any of your friends do those things? You know, so I just, we try to challenge these automatic beliefs that, you know, you're not supposed to make your mistake. As a mother, you're supposed to know everything. You're supposed to do it all perfect. Right. You're supposed to never be, you know, it's like, it's crazy making because that, those are impossible, those beliefs. And you have chapters on building emotional closeness mm-hmm. and getting your kids to listen. And I'm guessing that when this self-compassion is a part of your family culture, there's a potential for closeness. <laughs> there's a potential oh, yeah. for listening because oh, there's yeah. a trust mm-hmm that it's okay if I make a mistake in this house. Yeah, that you will find, you will be shocked that emotional connection with your children, like having a emotionally close relationship, and I kind of go into that a lot, as well as self-passion, like seriously, it will bring down fighting and agitation and misbehavior 50%. Wow. 50%. We need that yeah. in my house right now. We're coming off a season of us a lot of critical spirit, uh, judgment, attacking, no one can make a mistake Mm. kind of season. So yeah, yeah. we need a reformulation. (laughs) Yeah. 
And honestly, I would seriously, like, I'm just going to tell, like, I have a section in there about having a family meet, how to yes. have family meetings and do allowance and do chores and all that practical stuff. But I would encourage you, you can see it, try it if you want, but to just have a series of family meetings, I wouldn't even call them that, but, um, well, you can, we used to have, yeah. but just to say, Hey, you know what, this last, whatever period of time has been really mm-hmm. tough. And there's been some really good parts to it. And there's been some really hard parts. And I would sort of start that way and let everybody share what those are. And you have to sort, you've got to have some rules. Like, you know, you can't criticize each other's comments and you can't speak for another person and those kinds. I have some rules in there about family meetings, but, um, and then just sort of start that discussion. And then you could even share if you want to, at some point, like I would have a series of them, you know, not all at once, but. You know, like I found myself in the last period of time acting in ways or saying things that I really wish I hadn't. And I'm going to really work on those and then even say what, you know, like kind of like I said, well, what was it like for you when I was having my freakouts, or, you know, whatever, whatever words you would use just to get the discussion going. And again, it's not to blame anybody. Like there are seasons of life that are just plain old yeah. hard. Yeah. Okay. You can speak from experience. And when you, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can. Yeah. I mean, there are seasons that are just really hard and it's like nobody's fault. You're just dealing with incredibly difficult mm. things. Mm. So good. Ugh, so good. I want to talk to you forever, Kim. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I just want your voice. We just need to have like two minute recordings that you can have your own podcast and do that. <laughs> You're never going to believe this, but I actually have two recordings. I'll send you the links to them. I forgot. I didn't even think about doing it. Of I've recorded self-compassionate statements. Did I tell you a story? Is that I used to speak on this before when, you know, I didn't have, I was because I'm on oxygen 24-7. I have like a tube that I'm breathing from right now uh, because I my lungs don't give me enough oxygen. But um, before I was have that limitation, I was speaking about self-compassion and and I would read these self-compassionate statements and, you know, they're throughout both of the books. And so I would just read these and people come up and say, do you have those recorded? And yeah. like, and I've gone, no, I don't have that. Like I was busy. Like I don't have yeah. time to do something yeah. like that. And, but after seriously the 50th person, I was like, huh, I should probably record this. So I have two self-compassionate recordings of my voice saying all these Fabulous. things. And, um, I've had people tell me that, that they have made a huge difference just because it does change, you know, changes the automatic thinking. And um, I've sold thousands of these things. I was like, wow, okay, yeah. I, I guess I, no, need to, we need, I need to record these. We need new voices in our head, and you're, you've got this yes. nice soothing tone to your voice. <laughs> I just want to listen to forever and ever. But yeah, y'all, Thank I mean, you. this book, it's not just on self-compassion, like we said. I mean, there's the listen chapter I told you about setting healthy boundaries and limits and love and building personal responsibility for your kids, helping your kids cooperate, helping your kids become emotionally healthy, helping your kids with anger and fear, helping your kids work through tough situations and feeling skills for that. And then the chores, allowance, family meetings. It's like there's more to coaching your kids through life. There's <laughs> so much in this book. Um, it is a fabulous resource. And what a gift you've given all of us just today and through this Um, So thank you. Thank Thank you you for taking time to do it. I am so grateful to have you on. Where can people find you online? I'll put the link in the show notes, but just say it just so people can hear it too. My website is kimfredrickson.com. It's um, K-I-M-F-R-E-D-R-I-C-K-S-O-N.com. And I also write a blog 
a weekly blog about self-compassion. And then as far as the books, um, the first book is kind of online everywhere. The second one is um, online with Amazon, either Kindle or paperback. So great. And I'll send you the links for the recording. Yeah, no, I'll put those in the show notes too. So great, Kim. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's just a delight to talk with you and all of your listeners. And, you know, I, I don't say this lightly. I just say, be kind to yourself, you know, treasure every minute that you have and don't be so hard on yourself. You're doing a good work. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. I mentioned at the start of the show that after we recorded, Kim sent me some compassionate words to say to myself in light of the season I just walked through. I had published the episode on the anniversary of my dad's passing. It's so crazy to think that Kim and my dad are hanging out in heaven with Jesus. I love that. And I think I shared these words in the original publication of this episode, but I want to share them with you again today because I think they'll be helpful. Uh, If you're walking through something and you need words on what to say when you just feel like your family is falling apart and you're just, things are not going well. This is what she wrote. This year has been so hard. I just barely made it through. There's so many things I wish were different. There are times I wish I was more positive or reacted differently. That makes sense. Anyone who went through the year I did, like I did, would have regrets and wish some things were different. At the same time, I made it. I supported my mom in one of the most difficult times of her life, both through cancer and the death of my dad. I did it. I was there for her. It was harder than I ever thought it would be for any of us. At the same time, I took care of my family and ran my business. There were glitches, of course. How could there not be? Most women in my situation would have fallen apart, especially in such an environment of negativity. When I step back and look at what the last year was actually like, I'm amazed I did it. Now it's time to breathe out the negative thoughts, breathe in the truth of all that went well, and I'm going to start a list and keep it on the refrigerator, in my purse, by my side. I know God will bring things to mind I may not have thought of. Maybe I'll post it so my husband and kids can add to it. Maybe at dinner or family meetings, we can share the hard times and also what went well. What a great family tradition to start. This is my time to recover whatever ways work for me. I don't have to follow anyone else's plan. I'm going to notice what things are helping breathe new life into me and keep doing those things. I'm going to make being kind and compassionate with myself for being a human a top priority for myself starting now. I'm a wonderful, flawed person. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I thank you for these words from Kim. I thank you for her kindness and her soul, and I thank you that she's with you forever in your presence. I pray for the woman listening who needs a word of self-compassion, that you would be a kind voice in her mind instead of berating herself, instead of hearing a lie of failure, that you would give her perspective to see what's going well, that we can keep repeating the truth of what's going well, that we would have hearts of gratitude for what's going right. I thank you and praise you, Lord, that you are never outside of our reach, that we can call on you in the hardest times. We can ask you, Lord, please give me a compassionate statement right now. I am believing a lie and that you would be right there with truth. Holy Spirit, we thank you for that. 
I pray that the mom listening would know that she is doing the best that she can do as the human being she is and to understand the limitations she has. If she's walked through a hard season, Lord, I pray that you would restore and recover and revive and just bring back to life all that was lost. I thank you, God, for the ministry of Kim. I pray for her kids and her grandkids as they continue to grieve this month. And I thank you that we have her words recorded for them to go back to. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, thank you for joining us this week. And once again, those tickets, I mean, I'm recording this before the tickets even go on sale. So I'm hoping they're not sold out if I'm talking about this. We're having an event in Capel on August 23rd. Kate Duff and her friends who lead Don't Mom Alone Podcast Clubs are hosting it. And it's going to be a fun time, 7 to 9, August 23rd. Go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash live if you want to get tickets. Uh, if you want to host a Don't Mom Alone podcast club, go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash join. And we also have discussion questions that go along with this summer of mentorship. If you want those questions, just sign up for the Don't Mom Alone podcast club and you'll get a link to a private page that has all of our curriculum. Okay. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.